Welcome to the Well SGV podcast. We exist to multiply followers of Jesus rooted in the gospel who worship, walk, and witness to God's glory. Here's our message for the week. All right, good morning, everybody. My name is Rick, and I'm, I'm thankful to be able to give you a message this morning. Um, let me, before I start, let me pray for us. Father, we just give you thanks. And I think this is kind of the message that we've been talking about, especially during the holidays, where we reflect upon this past year, we reflect upon our lives, and how you have just blessed us with many different things, things that we see, that we enjoy, and there's things that we take for granted too, the small things that go by us, and, and we say, oh, that's good luck, or this is, oh, this is very fortunate, but God, you are in the midst of us, and you are blessing us daily through family, through friends, through, through the monetary gifts, through our gifts and our talents. You have blessed us with so much. But most of all, you have blessed us with your presence through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are truly, truly blessed. And so, Father God, we give you thanks again for this morning. May you bless the, the teaching and the preaching of this word. Uh, may you speak through me. And may hearts be open to the receiving of this message this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we, we started, so hopefully you have your Bibles. And I always, I always tell you this, because yeah, we can look at the screen and you can look at me, but you don't really want to do that. So if you have an app or you have your Bible in front of you, I encourage you to be readers of God, God's Word that it should be open. And I, and I talked about this last time, everybody should have a physical Bible, but I understand people are technologically advanced. And they like to do it through their phones. But I encourage you guys, oh, there's an echo, uh, that I encourage you guys to open it up and look for, to the word and see, to test and approve what I'm saying makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, come talk to me afterwards. Maybe I said something wrong, but, uh, but it should make sense to you. It should be tugging upon your heart because this is God's word. I, somebody told me a long time, a preacher told me a long time ago, and he said, if you stood up here and just read the word of God, just read the word of God, that you will, all, you will be blessed regardless. Whatever I say is, is kind of helping you along the way, but just reading the Bible on your own, just looking up here and reading the Bible, you will be blessed. So with that said, uh, turn, turn to your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, the beginning of the chapter, uh, Paul, let me just kind of give you some background context. So in, in this particular area, uh, Paul's writing this letter to the Corinthians, and in this particular area, he's saying, by the way, guys, the church in, uh, in Corinth, a couple of my guys are going to be coming there soon. So please, have, so please have your offering of relief ready and available. And then so, so what's happening right now is Jerusalem, uh, you know, the hometown where uh, Jerusalem and Judea, the birth of Jesus, we know this, is experiencing great suffering. They're going through a great famine. People are impoverished all over the place. It's hard for them to eat. And so what Paul is doing at this, at this point in time, he's going from church to church, a lot of the churches that he planted himself so they know who he is, and asking them to, to give offerings, to be people of giving, giving people. And these are monetary gifts. This, this is actually money uh, that is, is, is asked for. Uh, this past week, Pastor David talked about that, this idea of thanksgiving and gratitude. And we reflected, as, as Maddie mentioned, as we look during this thanksgiving time, 
during our, we were like, okay, Thanksgiving, it's a great time of celebration. We're celebrating all these different things, uh, having dinner with our families and friends, enjoying our kind of vacation time, going Friday shopping, uh, Black Friday shopping. We're doing all these wonderful things. But sometimes we do, we forget why we're having Thanksgiving in the first place. What is the point of Thanksgiving? Well, for us as Christians, we, t- we take this time of Thanksgiving to reflect upon the past. We, re- we reflect upon the goodness of Jesus, giving credit to every good thing that comes in our life. We reflect that it comes from God. The way we learn, the way we grow, the way we get to meet and understand and learn about others, about ourselves, about God. And all along the way, if you take the moment, just take the moment right now, just to re- reflect about little snippets of your memories of this past year and why God has been good, why God has been faithful. And you reflect upon that just for a few minutes. And slightly interrupt, but there are also some troubling times. Death in the family, sickness, hardship, loss of jobs. And whether you think so or not, these are blessings from God as well. You're like, how can these be blessings? It's so horrible. No. God is, in, God is bringing out things in you that you never thought or felt out before. And then he's, and he's also revealing to, him, to you guys, to us, that God is there with you, even though those times of trouble. Stick a few minutes. Okay, so I'm I'm sure many of us can go on and on and on and on throughout the day and just recount all the times God has been there. And then we could say, thank you, God. To have this idea that Pastor David mentioned last week, this heart of gratitude, this need to move into action because of what we received possesses us to respond. How can I be... I'm, I'm full of thankfulness, gratefulness, gratitude. How can I give this back? We know as Christians that there's, we can't really give back to God for all the things he's done. There's no way we can pay for our salvation, can pay, for, pay him back what he's already given to us. But he calls us to be good. He calls us to be generous with our time, with our efforts, with our uh, gifts, with our talents. As well as our offering. Because we receive the greatest gift of, of all time freely. This is the amazing part of God's greatest gift of Jesus, that He gives it freely. Our salvation is given freely. We receive grace, we receive mercy. On top of all the things you just reflected upon today. Did you know Thanksgiving is a compound word? And you know, for you English teachers, compound word. It's thanks, being this idea of thankfulness. But also this idea of this giving part, this attention to the giving aspect. Somebody has given in order for us to be thankful. Right? Like a firefighter, you know, there's a fire who fight. Firefighter, it's a fighter who fires 
fights fire, right? There's all these compounds, a cowboy, a person who's a boy that takes care of cows. I, I can't, those are all the top of my head, sorry. <laughs> but there's these compound words that actually describe what it's trying to mean. And so this idea of thanksgiving is no, not the same thing. Is that we're thankful for somebody who's given to us. So in this today's passage, again, Paul continues to urge the Corinthians to, let's go to the passage. Uh, he, he goes to, directly to the point. He says this. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully and will reap bountifully. This first, first, uh, first uh, section, chapter 6, verse 6. We don't use, we don't use uh, sow very often, and we also don't use reap very often. Those are not common words for us, so I'm going to kind of describe that, what those are. <clears throat> Sowing is planting a, ski, uh, planting a seed by scattering it on, on the earth or upon the earth or in the earth. The reaping is the cutting, the gathering of the crop to harvest from. And then he also uses another word, uh, bountiful. We don't use the word bountiful uh, very often. Yet. But this means abundance or more than expected, more than we thought of going to happen, but it, we actually get more. So essentially this verse points out, um, if you give, at this point, whoever sows or, you know, have the seeds, will get little. If you do a little couple of seeds, you will get a little bit. But if you, if you sow a lot of seeds, you will, get, uh, you will receive oh, lots of seeds, sparingly, but bountifully. Again, uh, this very e- easy concept, the more you put in, the more you get out. The little you put in, the little you get out. Just kind of this idea that he sets before him. And again, uh, Paul here is talking about the offering that they're preparing for, uh, preparing for his, his buddies, brothers and sisters who are coming to collect. Okay, so he starts off this idea of giving. And this is a very famous verse in verse 7. Um, oh, before I go there, when, when he's talking about these, when, the, the reaping and the sowing, he's talking about monetary things. Again, he's actually asking me. But as we read this, uh, this particular section, we can only think about monetary. We don't have to think about just monetary, like money. When I was a kid, and I grew up at, at, at a church, and they always talked about giving, and I always thought to myself, and I sat there as a kid, and I was like, I don't have any money. I really don't. I don't know what I can give. God, God you're asking me to give something to you, but I, what, what can I give? So at such a small age, I, I opened my pockets, I pulled them out like a little poor kid, and it's like, I don't have anything to give. But a pastor, my youth pastor told me, you give whatever you can. Give whatever you can. But pastor, I told you I don't have anything. You have breath. And you have life. You have time. You're so young, you have all this energy. Put it to use for the glory of God. Put it to use for the glory of God. Uh, yes, it's talking about giving, and we should be giving to the church just to keep the church going, to be faithful, as Maddie has mentioned before. But also your gifts, your talents, your efforts, your time, so precious those are to give. In verse 7, it says, Each one must give as he is decided in his heart. I, asked, I get this question asked to me all the time, um, especially for new believers. And they want to commit to the church. They want to come, and they want to come here. And they ask, I want, to, I want to give to the church. How can I give to the church? What should I give? How should I give? How much should I give? 
And I was like, uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a financial expert. I don't know what you could give or not to give. But there's a passage in the Bible where it talks about a woman. And, it, and I'll just read it from Mark 12. And this is an example. And he sat down uh, opposite of the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large amounts, large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make about a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor woman, this poor widow, has put in more than all those who were contributing into the offering box. For they all contribute out of their abundance, but she has gave out of her poverty and has put in everything she had, and all she had was to live on. So there's this idea of giving what your heart can give. And for her heart was so rich and so loved God so much in his ministry that she gave she gave all that she had. So what should you give? And this kind of, this verse 7 kind of describes this. Each of you, one of you should give as your heart decided. So kind of, kind of just look at your heart and say, what can you give today? What can you give today? What is your heart telling you? If God was to see you this moment and he's eating, he does, he will understand what, you, what little you can give what greatly you can give. But there's, a, but there's a component to this. As you give, what your heart is telling you, and not reluctantly or under compulsion. Uh, compulsion means to be forced, for God loves a cheerful giver. You see, we're, we're no longer under the law and back in the day, we, we talked about tithes, tithing, and tithing at 10%. Back in the old days, people came who, who started believing in the church and started wanting to give in the church, also didn't know what to give. They had, they had no kind of uh, standard to live by. So what they did was, like, they asked people, how, how much should we give? And according to the law, the Mosaic law, to give 10%, 10% of what you have. But that was under the old law. We now live under the new law. We live under the new law. Law of the Holy Spirit. And, and <laughs> so I was reading a section about how much should we give back to God? How much should we give back to God? And what the commentary said, 100%. Do you know why? It's because everything that I have is his. Everything that I am is his. If everything I am is his, all my possessions belong to him. My money, my time, my everything belongs to him. And what does he deserve back? All of it, a hundred percent. But hear what he says here in this passage. What does your heart ask? So he doesn't ask. So God doesn't ask for a hundred percent back. Yes, you know, of our heart he does. He wants all of us a heart. But in terms of our monetary things, the things that we have, the things we possess, the things we own, he asks only that you would search your heart and that you would give accordingly to that heart, because the because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And he will tell us how much to give. Now, for younger people who, who still don't like, but Pastor Rick, just tell me what to give. I, I know what you just said. I know I'm supposed to hear it by heart. Well, where should I give? <laughs> I don't know. And so that's, that's why we would always refer to, if you don't know, go back to 
10% of your offering, and it'll be your tithing. So that's a little difference between the tithes and offerings. Giving of your tithe means 10%, you just, but giving what's on your heart, that's actually truly the answer for that question, to give what's in your heart. Because if you don't give what's in your heart, and this is the second part of it, not reluctantly or under compulsion or being forced to. Okay, that's really important because what happens if you do it reluctantly or under compulsion, it spoils the offering. And let me tell you why. This morning, I was trying to look for an illustration about it, but it, it actually happened this morning on the car ride over. God, thank you, God, for answering my prayers. I was thinking about how do I do the illustration. So we're here and we're talking about, um, we're talking with my son and my wife in the car. And we're driving by on Huntington, this tree, this tree lot. And every year, ever since I was a kid, I'd always have a fresh tree. For a long time, from, I think, from as, as long as I can remember from whatever age, one or two, all the way till I was 10 or 12 years old, I'd have a fake tree. It was made out of aluminum. <laughs> I don't know, I'm sorry if you guys have aluminum trees. I'm no bagging on you. But I had an aluminum tree. My mom would always make me put them together. And I'm like, this is kind of, mm, that's so nice. And then I bought a, then my sister and I went out and bought a real tree without my mom's permission. She was very upset. She was very, very upset. She's like, what is this? What? Like, and then she's like, oh, it smells good. Very nice. <laughs> and then she, she was okay with it. And every year after that, she would, she would ask my sister and I to, to go get a fresh tree every single year because it just brought the place up. So we're going past this on Huntington, and Amanda goes, hey, we, let's go get a tree later on. And then we turn to the back, James, you got to put your tent away. So if you know, some of you guys have been in my house, in the corner of our house, in the living room, there's, a, there's this tent. And in his tent has all, this, all his toys, all his stuff, his playthings, and, and things like that. So he loves this tent. He goes in there, kind of his own storeroom, puts all his stuff away, and says, uh, hey, uh, James, you got to put your tent away again this year. He's like, okay, fine. And then actually my cousin, who came and visited us last time, uh, her, her son really liked the tent. I said, James is too old for it. Take a tent. And so I told James, uh, actually, James, I'm not going to put away your tent. I'm actually going to give it away. He's like, no. I don't want. He's like really upset. It's my, it's my tent. You don't even really play in it very often anymore. You just kind of just toss your junk in there and hopefully it gets fixed and we things like that. And he was like, but, but I have such good memories of it. And I was like, mm. And I said, but your cousin, would, your, your, your baby cousin, oh, like was like four or five years old, would really appreciate it. And he said, fine. And he covered his arms and like, you can give it to him. That's exactly what it says under compulsion and reluctantly. That's what it looks like. And one of the things that, we, that we're, when we give to God is that do you think God would want that too? Right? Has anybody offered you something, oh, asked for you for something, and you reluctantly give it to them? Fine, and you have this attitude of reluctancy and this attitude of compulsion. It, the, gift isn't, the gift that you're offering isn't so sweet anymore. It's, it's kind of like I don't want your gift anymore in that sense. So in the same way, when we give these gifts, and again, when we give these gifts, I think it's really important to know that, especially in, this, in the sowing and the, and the reaping part, what are, we, what are we sowing for? What are we reaping for? Who are, who are we giving these gifts to? These gifts are for God. And so God does not want a reluctant giver. 
person who's compulsed to give. Instead, he wants a cheerful giver. And you know why he wants a cheerful giver? Because God himself is a cheerful giver. And we are made in his image. And so when he looks at us, and you know, do you know why he wants us to be a cheerful giver? Do you know why? Because he is one. I know this to be true, that, he's a, that God is a cheerful giver. Do you know how? It's because I can look out into this audience and then you are blessed people. Right? To your left and to your right, look how this person is blessed. Look at yourself in the mirror. Look how much you're blessed. And I know that God is a cheerful giver because he's given you so much, given us so much. He is a cheerful giver. In verse 8, and there's obviously more to talk about in verse 7, each must look into his own heart. Yes, when I say each, everyone kind of has to look in their own heart, but I think some of us are in families. It's really important when you're in a family, you're sharing your finances with somebody else. You look at your own heart, and you kind of have to come to an agreement with your spouse or with your loved ones about that. Moving on. And God is able to make all grace abound you, so that, that having all sufficiency in all things and in all times, you may abound in every good work. And it is written, in his righteousness endures forever. Oh, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. This actually comes from Psalm. Uh, um, Paul's actually taking a, a quote from Psalm uh, 112.9. Essentially what he's saying here is that he wants to reassure the Corinthians and us that they can count on and have faith in God to provide whatever is needed so that they can excel or to do even more good works that God has planned for us, for them. So God is able to make the grace abound you, meaning he has everything that you need and he gives you everything you need. Don't worry about it. Don't fret over it. Don't stress over it. He provides. He actually knows what you need. Sometimes I, we say this all the time when we're during Christmas time or when we're purchasing things, when it's Black Friday, what do I need? You know how many times I looked on Black Friday uh, on, uh, on Amazon? Oh my gosh, too long. Do I need this? Do I need this? Do I need that? Do I need this? Nearly 99% of these things is what I want. <laughs> Almost 100% of it is what I want versus what I need. And God knows what we need. Not Amazon, not eBay, not your, your mall, your grocery store, your, your department store. God is the one who provides what we truly need. And he assures us that if we give, and this is the assurance that we have, if we give, God will enable you to do more and to give more later on. That's what it says here in this passage. Because grace abounds you, this idea of grace is given to us so that having all sufficiency in all things in all times, this is God, that you, me, may abound in every good work. Go and give more. Go and do good works for God. In verse 10, and that's actually the passage I was given. I was actually supposed to preach on verse 10 through 15, but I felt that this was something that needed to be said about this. He who supplies the seed, who is God, 
to the sower, me, and the bread for food, those are our needs, will supply and multiply your seed, God's goodness, for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us he will produce. There's an illustration here. Can we have the next one? This idea of seeds, this principle of multiplication. Take a good look at it, this idea of multiplication. So we have our seeds, our gifts, our talents, our monetary things that we have. And then we give them, we're supposed to give them to the earth. And we're assuming that they will multiply. We give to the earth, and then we assume that they're going to rise and multiply. Now, I try to think about this. Sometimes I forget that these planting of seeds can be neutral, depending on what kind of seeds I give, right? If I give bad seeds, bad things will come out. If I give good things, good things will come out, right? And this idea of multiplication is, if I, but I don't even count how many is that, 10 seeds, 12 seeds, something like that, that's how many seeds I have. Put it in the ground, water it, care for it, nurture it, give it some sun. It'll grow up into this tree. And in those apples that it produces, is multiplied, multiplied, and multiplied time over. Besides the idea of giving to the earth, this idea of giving to God, this idea of giving to the church, will be multiplied so that we can do more with it. Again, sometimes, we, sometimes when, we, when we sow seeds of hatred, of bigotry, sometimes we sow seeds of all kinds of negativity, things like that, we'll reap those things. But if we plant seeds of goodness, of godly things, God's character, and we, we plant these things, we give these things freely out, we know that we will receive them back. Again, we're not receiving for ourselves, like we said in the beginning. We're receiving them for the Lord. Receiving them for God's kingdom. And God is pleased with this tree. God is pleased by the, by the, by the fruit that it bears in his name for Jesus, for his kingdom. He who supplies the seed is God. Our gifts, our talents, everything that we have to the sower's me, and bread for the foods. He, he tends to our needs, these daily things, and he will supply for us. But this, in the second part of verse 10, and multiply. He will multiply your seed, just like this tree, for sowing. And he will increase the harvest through righteousness. Imagine all the people who will reach. Imagine exponentially how much just by being and giving, we can touch other people. This is an example of what happened last week, and many of you, some of you were here uh, as we packed these boxes. And this is a great example that I can, the only thing I could think of, many of us packed a box of goods, this shoe box, this little rectangle of a thing, and we put a soccer ball and school supplies and other things like that, and we give it freely. We, we spent time to do it, spent energy go shopping for it. We gave money to produce it, and then we sent it up in hope that God will use it for his glory, that this little love box will find a child who will love Jesus, will be given the hope 
And you know what happens after that when they receive this box and they're going through this, this journey thing with Jesus and, and the local church? This person will grow up as a Christian. And we have no idea. Only God knows what good may come of it. They might be, the idea, right? They might be the next Billy Graham. They might be the next missionary, the next pastor. And, they, and that person will, will share Christ with that person and another person and generations and generations until the Lord comes again. Right? There, there's this, we, we might not always see the fruit, but we know that God will use this fruit for his glory. Somehow, in some way, we just have to believe, somehow we have to trust that he's going to use this, our gifts, our talents. And for this, and this particular people here in Jerusalem, right? Again, going back to the story, we're talking about us, I'm sorry, but we have to go back to also the text that it says that these monetary things, money, that he's trying to teach them, the things that you give will have eternal ramifications of the future. That's why, that's why he wants them to give, especially to the church in Jerusalem, in Judea. And then, and then we, we're talking about the church back then, again, we're talking about the church who is suffering. But not only the members are suffering, but the people around them, the non-believers, the, the people who don't even believe in Christ, what the church in Jerusalem was doing was helping and, and, and giving out, the, to, taking care of the needs of those around the church, not only the church members. Now, I don't know if I would give to a place where like, oh, we're going to give all this money from our church and go over there so they could just take care of their own church. But I don't think that's what it, what it says here in the text. I, I think what they're going to give, these monetary things that give from the Corinth to the church of Jerusalem so that they may minister abundantly to the people of all Judah who are suffering and, and taking care of their needs. So this idea of multiplication. In verse 11, and then you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way and will produce in us thanksgiving to God. Look at this word, thanksgiving to God. The things that we do is, is, is to God, right? I want us to look in the next passage, which is very, very interesting. In verse 12, for the ministry of this service is not only to supplying the needs of the saints. Oh, just a side note I wrote here. Do you know who the saints are? In this text is the church. When Paul uses the word text, saints, that means you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you in the church is a saint. So when we read in the Bible and it talks about people who are saints in these different churches, understand it's talking about you too. If you follow Jesus Christ, you are a saint. You might not act like a saint, you may not talk like a saint, but according to Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross for you and for my sake, we are saints. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, it is also overflowing in the many thanksgivings to God. You just see it right there, right? In verse, uh, the, the many thanksgivings. So he, he multiplied from just thanksgiving to God, thanksgiving to God, to many thanksgivings to God. So in the church, we, all, he, we already know that if you do this, if you give generously, it will be multiplied to not only my thanksgiving to God, but all our thanksgivings to God multiplied over. I see you generous with your time, with your offerings, with your people use my truck, people use their talents, and like Terry uses talents for like audiovisual that I could never do, and he puts a lot of time and effort to it. That will be multiplied. The generosity that we give, the, the rides that you give, opening your house that you give, the tithings or the, the offerings that you give, we will see it multiplied with this generous heart 
this heart of thanksgiving, this gratefulness, this gratitude, it will multiply itself. And how can God not be cheerful from that? But is, is also overflowing in many thanksgivings, of the, this multiplication of thanksgiving. My heart is thankful to God. Your heart is thankful to God. This is what we call a piece of praise. When, we, when, our, when thanksgiving to God, you know, we lift it up, thanksgiving to God, and then there are many thanksgiving to God. You know what we call that? In some part, that's called praise. Praise. We praise God. We worship God this way. By the giving of what we, what we have. Again, giving back to God who, <laughs> who generally has everything. In verse 13, it says, By their approval, these, these are probably the people here in Jerusalem, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission. Some people would call this obedience that comes from your confession to the gospel of Christ. Now, now wait, Rick, you just told me before, we don't want to be, we don't want to be, you know, what is it called again? We don't want to be compelled. We don't want to be compulsed or reluctant to give. But now you're telling me that there's an obligation here. There's an obligation. I thought you said a submission that you're talking about. This is a submission to Christ. This is not a submission that, you know, I, I, I have to submit, so I'm going to give. Well, then we just talked about reluctancy right there. But this is a submission to God, to the gospel, to Jesus Christ himself. I submit to him. And therefore, if I submit to him, I am a believer. I am a Christian. And because I am a believer in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I believe that he died on the cross for my sins, I am super grateful. And then I will give because, I give, because I've been given much. Not because I owe, because I can never repay. It's because I am submitted. I have confessed to, the, to Jesus that I am his and he is mine. And therefore, I give. Not, a, not obedience to give to this person or give to this church or give to whatever, but obedience to God. Therefore, I give. Does that make sense? I hope it really does. Uh, there's this idea of giving here, this portion. And it's this word that I, that I was really confused about in Greek. The Greek word here for the giving portion or the submission part is koinonia. And I grew up, and I knew a little bit of Greek, and I, and I thought Greek meant fellowship. And the fellowshipping with this word koinonia. But what it actually means, it is it, the true point of what koinonia is, this idea of fellowship, but it's sharing what is common amongst us. That is the word koinonia that is used in this, in this passage. That we should share, that we would give to one another, that what's mine is yours, what's yours is mine. So this idea of, again, going back again, what is in your heart to give? What is in your heart to share? Because we're our brothers, sisters here. All right, closing up. So, so this comes with the confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. In verse 14, while while they long to pray for you because of their surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God to this inexpressible gift. There's a connection here. While they long for you and pray for you because of your surpassing grace. What they're talking about here is that 
where we're giving and we're sharing in this, the, these people who are miles and miles and miles and miles away are in need. They're suffering. And my contribution will give them to them. There is now a connection. Not that it wasn't before. There's a connection between us. I notice there's people who are, who are praying for me hundreds of thousands of miles away. My missions are great too. Knowing that we are connected by Christ, even during long distance. And they care for me even though they're far away. They don't even see me. They don't even know me. But we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a connection where they will be praying for me and I'll be praying for them. Even in great distances. So when we give, we are connected in this way. Lastly, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. Uh, Charles Spurgeon wrote this one thing that, that kind of stood out to my mind. If you preach Christ, you will never run short. If you have preached 10,000 sermons of, about Christ, you have not left the shore. You, have not, uh, you are not out of the deep sea yet. Dive, my brother, with splendor of thought. Plunge into the great mystery of free grace and dying love. And when you have dived the furthest, you will, perce- uh, you will perceive that you are as far off the bottom as you were first touched the surface. Meaning this, in this in connection to this, is that the people who are receiving this gift, we say so thankful. It, it, you can't even express it. <laughs> I, I saw this one, one, I don't know if it was a meme or a short or something like that, is that they were, some person was given a gift so immense, so, so great. They couldn't even describe, they couldn't respond to this great gift. And all they could say, all they could muster was, thank you. Thank you. I'm sure they could have used a lot of words, but if you use one word, a hundred words, a thousand words to the, to the gift that God has given you of Jesus Christ, you couldn't really describe it, this great gift that we received. And this is talking about that, right? Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift of Jesus. I cannot begin to say thank you. <laughs> and, and for some reason, and I, I, would, I would consider myself a person who knows a lot, quite a bit of words in my vocabulary. And I wouldn't be able, for all the words that I know, I wouldn't be able to even touch the surface of describing how grateful and thankful I am to what God has given me through Christ. Uh, Giving glorifies and honors God, God's abundant generosity, and reflects it back toward Him and those made in His image and likeness. Giving also says that we aren't afraid of lacking anything because God is the source, and we trust him. Also, I think it's Spurgeon quote. As I close in this, it's called, it comes from Malachi 3.10. It's called a giving challenge. It's kind, of, it's kind of funny when I wrote it, when I read it. And it says this, bring the whole tithe, and this is back in the Old Testament, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and that there may be food in my house. And it says, test me. This is God saying it. Test me. But, but then he said, do not put the Lord to you to test. Do not put the Lord to you. This is the one exception, I think. This is the one exception. It says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. 
and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be no room enough to store it. Do you want to be blessed? You want to be blessed more abundantly than you ever thought or dreamed of before? Then I want to encourage you to give. Give of your tithes or your offerings, to give of yourself to the church, to give yourself to the work of, of God in the kingdom. And we have a couple of missionaries here that I just met that they have given their life in many ways, their time and their energy for the Lord. And they will receive many. They will receive plenty. I know it for a fact. I want to encourage you, if there is opportunity to give in whatever way, capacity that is asked of you by the church or by God himself, I encourage you guys to do so. And he will bless us abundantly. And not only that, but it will raise this idea of thanksgiving in our hearts. And he will multiply that more than we could imagine. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, I just thank you for this verse that Pastor David just gave me randomly. Uh, but when I read it and I thought through it, how do, I, how do I perpetuate this idea of a grateful heart, of, of thanksgiving, of, of gratitude? How do, I, how do I, I received it, God, and how do I perpetuate this? That it's not just during Thanksgiving or Christmas time, but it's throughout the year. I know that we set aside this time uh, for Thanksgiving, this particular moment, but every day, every, every week, every month, every year, our hearts should be thankful knowing that what we've been given is great. And only what we give back is so few. But I know the, the small things that I give also, you will multiply it by your power. That you will multiply it and it will grow and that your kingdom will flourish because of it. And so thankful, God. We thank you. We thanks for the time that we spend together. We thank you for this lesson. May, your, may you change our hearts, that you may open it up so that we will not fear, we will not fear giving because we might lack something, that we, we don't give because oh, we might not have enough in the future. <laughs> but God, you in your mysterious ways, tell us, give, and I will bless you more so than you've given. I pray, Father, that you give us enough faith to believe that. So, Father, I give you thanks again for this morning. pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love to hear from you and help you take one step closer to Jesus. To contact us or for more information, please go to www.thewellsgv.org.